Welcome to Beyond the Shelf. I'm Scott Curry with Chef's Best. We gather to talk about the trends in marketing, retail, and production of food and beverage that are shaping the industry. We are joined today by entrepreneur Larissa Russell. Larissa is co-founder and CEO of Pod Foods, a wholesale distribution solution built specifically for emerging brands. Prior to founding Pod Foods, Larissa was CEO and co-founder of Green Pea Cookie. After graduating from Dartmouth, she had various jobs in and around the marketing world. Larissa, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. All right. So you, you I think, had a, a, you know, an interesting journey that uh, you obviously applied your, your skills honed in, in, in the marketing world uh, and founded an emerging brand yourself, Green uh, Pea Cookie. Uh, and I suspect that part of that experience led you to founding uh, your your current venture here, Pod Food. So, tell me a little bit about um, you know how you got started in the food and beverage world, and and you know what led you to where you are today with a company that, as I understand, is is having a, a lot of success lately. Yeah, absolutely. So previously, I mean, I had graduated from school and I had my first job out of college, which was marketing and data analytics for a startup. I don't. It meant a lot of different things at the time. And the entry into the food industry was really driven by learning. I just wanted to see what it was like to run a company and create something new. And I met a co-founder and um, we we all came together. It was a team of three at the time for Green Pea Cookie. And we started making cookies out of peas. And it was mainly just a side project. And we wanted to learn how to create a business and market it and sell it. And of course, I really loved the cookies. They were a Singaporean Chinese New Year specialty cookie that we made vegan and we made no artificial ingredients and all of these things and brought it into the Bay Area. And then from there, we continued to sell our cookies and we started to enter retail and we ran into problems with the distribution system that exists today for emerging brands in particular, but really for all CPG brands. We found that there was a lot of opportunity for improvement in the distribution space. And so my co-founder and I decided to shut down the cookie company and create Pod Foods. All right. So let's 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 break down what, what Pod Foods here does here. So and 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 uh, I I'll frame this as well for any listener. I think it's 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 just apropos to the moment. It's early May right now, 2020. So uh, we're we're somewhere here in the midst of COVID nineteen, so we'll we'll probably touch on that a little bit. But I think time stamping this is is relevant these days, given the shifts that are go- ongoing right now. So so let's just we'll maybe get into how COVID is affecting your business and how you're you're you know supplying opportunity for emerging brands during this time. But we'll take that and we'll set it aside prior to COVID nineteen. So what what was the kind of the problem that you were trying to solve? Um, for brands? What was the disconnect that you clearly, obviously saw and experienced en- enough yourself that you felt the need to, you know, go ahead and effectively start a tech company? What, what is the, what's the gap there? Well, the real gap that we saw for emerging brands was that there was no distributor. I mean, there are distribution solutions that exist at the national scale for brands that have emerged, but they're really designed for high volume because they have so many assets and they've acquired so many smaller distributors throughout the country that it becomes a very consolidated network. 
And in order for that business model to work, it requires really high volumes from brands. And, you know, we were a little pea cookie company. And so the quantities that we were making out of our shared commercial kitchen space at the time were nowhere near the amount that would warrant one of those distributors taking us on. And so the immediate need that we were covering was that emerging brands didn't have a distribution solution at all. And so many of them, including us, would self-distribute into these retail shops that wanted to buy their cookies or whatever other brand it would be. Because consumers want smaller, up-and-coming, unique local products. And not always local, but even brands that are started in one location and wanting to expand to another location because they're reaching consumers through their e-commerce store, in our case, Kickstarter, they can't do that in a way that is economically viable with the current distribution solution that exists. And so the first need that we began solving for was covering distribution for brands that were otherwise self-distributing. And so if you would go into a retail store, especially these local retail stores that want to bring in a lot of variety and a lot of unique products, the buyers in those stores would be struggling to order from lots of local or regional or smaller distributors from elsewhere in the country directly. And that became incredibly cumbersome for the buyers. And then it it added another dimension of challenge for the brands where even if you could get in the store, yes, you have to deal with logistics, but there was already a gap where buyers wouldn't want to bring in more and more direct products because it was too challenging for them to manage. So let's go layman's approach here go and, and go as high level as we can. I mean, the distribution is a, a function of getting from A to B, right? Getting product uh, and, and as you suggested, or you know, <laughs> um, you know the big companies on the on the supply side have these distribution networks set up, right? And and I guess these you know these are big trucks that show up in the middle of the night, right? And and replenish the shelves. And however, if I'm starting well, Green Pea Cookie, you're saying that for an emerging brand on that side of it that it's not like you could personally drive, you know, the food from wherever your plant is to Portland, Oregon. So prior to founding Pod Foods, how did an emerging brand actually manage to get onto the shelves? Could you break that down a little bit for me? What I mean, was it just this crazy cumbersome thing like like I'm suggesting, which is, you know, people driving <laughs> around in the middle of the night? Um, did they beg their way on to, to larger trucks? What, what, how did, in order to be successful, what did you have to do as a brand? What did you have to compromise, whether it's margin, integrity, I don't know, whatever. But what, what did it look like? Yeah, well, first, many brands would start in their local market and they would go and they would hustle their way into stores and get some initial sales and then self-deliver to those stores. And of course, like I mentioned, the buyers would be reluctant at times to bring on a ton of these kinds of products because it's a hassle for them. But if the product moves well, that's great and they'll do it. Uh, That becomes very expensive because you're paying for shipping and you're paying for your time to get that product into the store, especially as your sales start to grow in that local region. If you wanna go elsewhere, there's a lot of drop shipping that occurs where you could ship with USPS or FedEx course there are added challenges to that if your product is heavy or made of glass or cold chain but there are solutions i mean people do work around the options that exist there are also regional distributors so as you continue to grow and you start to establish some velocity you can work with 
smaller geographical distributors that will take your product throughout Northern California, for example. These distributors operate in a similar fashion to the big, large buy-sell distributors where they buy product in bulk, mark it up, and resell it. And there's very little transparency throughout that process as well. And so it can be a solution and it can be a good solution for brands at a certain stage. But then if you want to go beyond your region and you want to start growing nationally, you're really left with very few choices, pretty much two choices for national natural food CPG distribution, mm-hmm. packaged food. And those companies will buy your product in bulk and they'll buy it at the lowest possible price that they can and sell it at the highest possible price that they can. And many emerging brands will enter national distribution because they have no other alternative for certain anchor accounts or because they want to grow and they have investment and they need to grow. And in that case, they're probably compromising financially to get there. This is, I want to keep asking, I'm fascinated right now because, you know, I'm first and foremost a consumer and I've, uh, I've always felt that we take for granted, particularly right now, the modern marvel of, you know, thousands of products literally down the street for me to buy. I mean, hundreds of apples right. and, and hundreds of apples at any given time that I can buy for 50 cents. I mean, it's, it's incredible. Um, and you mentioned buyers are hesitant, right? As well, because I would think that one of the biggest concerns for a buyer in any industry is, will you be able to get the product to me? It's one thing if a buyer says, Hey, you've got a great price point. You have a product that's differentiated. You've got great packaging, but that means nothing to a store and to a buyer if the shelf is empty really at any time. I mean, I, I would think they don't want to be, what are they, they probably don't want to be empty for more than an afternoon. Right. Um, right. So, so to talk about what, you know, maybe you had heard prior to, and I want to get into the software solution as well that you have, but you know, that deep concern that buyers have must have just been an, almost a brick wall for an emerging brander to get through. Right. I mean, they want to bring in the the products that their consumers want. And so it really depends on the type of store that we're talking about. The big, gigantic grocery stores with planograms and slotting fees, and they're planning way ahead. And they're far less inclined to be bringing in product that's self-distributed because, like you said, reliability is the number one concern and not only reliability, but also efficiency. And so they want to be ordering from distributors because distributors consolidate the whole process. It's one point of contact, it's one purchase order, and it's one delivery, whether that's per category or per store. And buyers find that compelling versus ordering directly from each little supplier, especially when they've got something like 50,000 SKUs in the store. But if it's a smaller store, they will take that time and they will bring in the new products that are going to drive people into their locations. Because if you think about how those smaller outlets need to compete, it's not going to be on price for the more mainstream products that you might find in some of the larger locations. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when, when of the, what you've built is a software system as well. So, again, before we get totally into what you're providing, Help me understand, I'm just a regular consumer. How on earth does the system work so that amazingly, there's always microwave popcorn there? There, there, (laughs) Right? There's gotta be some data being passed 
somewhere that says, hey, we need more popcorn, right? Um, I, I could probably insert a joke about toilet paper right now, but I don't know. It's kind of run, <laughs> kind of run its course. But how does it work? How, how does a store know, um, hey, you know, we, we typically order 10 of these a week. They're selling faster than that. We need to order more of them. That means there's got to be this chain of data that has to work its way all the way through the system. What, what does that look like? Again, let's let's start at 30,000 feet and we'll get into your, your solution. Yeah. And once again, that depends on the size of store that we're talking about. So for the larger stores, they do have their own systems. They do have forecasting. For the smaller stores, a lot of that happens in the buyer's head. And so they think, well... I need to order more of this. I need to order more of that. And they're running around trying to keep product on the shelf, but not for too long because they need to move the product. And it's true. I mean, as a consumer, you walk into the store and it just feels like, of course, it's here. But at night, at, in the mornings, early mornings, the distributors are out there dropping off products so that it can reach the shelf. And for the smaller buyers that are trying to keep those products stocked on a shelf in their store, it can become a lot of guesswork. And... It feels like it's optimized, but you never really know if you're always guessing what you need and always scrambling to get the next best thing and not really measuring the results of that. And so there are solutions that exist, and the larger stores certainly have ordering processes in place. But even at the national scale, there are stores out there that don't automate reordering or plan reordering, but instead are going by the gut or the thoughts of what a buyer thinks is going to sell because it's not always about the product. It's also about the consumers that are going into that store and where the store is located and the brand of the store and where the product is placed on the shelf. And so, so many things are impacting the velocity of these products that need to be reaccounted for every time. And it's a lot for a human brain to handle uh, in a store that has so many products. So ultimately you're, you're a bit of a tech company. So if I come to you and I want to sell Scott's sensational snackable goji berries, uh, pitch me on the that software. Your product? That, that's it. <laughs> yep. It's uh, it'll be ready Great. next, next week. Um, <laughs> pitch me on the software. What does it do? How does it work? What is it? What does it do for the brand? Uh, how is it? Is this going to be easy for me to work with? Cause I'm just, I'm just Scott right now. Uh, my kids are packing, my kids are packing my the, the actual packaging in my garage. <laughs> Tell me how this software is going to work for me. Yeah, so we're a distribution solution. So our product comes in at that point when the buyer in the grocery store is placing an order and they want to get product on their shelf. And we're able to service brands that are of a smaller scale, such as Scott's sensational goji berries and you know, stickered by his children in the garage. And all the way up to brands that want to be national and really grow their business and continue to grow their business because we are a different business model. It's a platform marketplace where retailers are able to order all of the product in one place and receive all of the product in one place, just like a traditional distributor. But we don't buy and sell the product like a typical distributor. And so it allows for the brand to take a lot more control of what they're doing, where they're sending products, how much inventory they can keep in stock. And we also show brands where their product is actually moving. So typically right now, if a brand is working with a big distributor, they'll just send off pallets to that distribution center 
And then afterwards, they have no idea where their product is being sold or pushed, if at all. And then meanwhile, if they don't sell through that product, it's very common for them to be responsible for the inventory risk, which means that your goji berries, you would have to repurchase your goji berries if they didn't sell through. And so there's a disconnect between the brands and the retailers themselves. With Podfoods, it's a pass-through software solution. We work with a network of logistics providers. So the brands can take a lot more control over their relationships with retailers and also where their product is moving so they can reach their consumers and set the right promotions on the shelf. And so basically the retailer would place an order for your product. You would see that this buyer at this store placed an order for your product and then we would handle the fulfillment out of one of our distribution centers. And we'll always tell you when to replenish your inventory ahead of time. And of course, you're also in control of that. So if you want to send more SKUs or launch any new product at any new time to figure out a better market, or if you want to change your packaging, or if you want to reach new consumers in a new location, you're in control of that, not us. So how many brands are you working with now? And you know, feel free to share a success story or two. Yeah, we're working with about 600 brands nationwide. We have wow. locations in San Francisco Bay Area, Los Angeles, Chicago, and New York City right now um, for distribution centers. And we can also reach the whole country with our dropship program as well. So various retailers outside of those locations also order from us to procure the best up-and-coming brands for their store. So you're obviously thinking pretty big here. I mean, you you can. It's not hard to imagine how you see this scaling to all fifty states and you know, rural metro everywhere. What's this experience been like for you? Because this is a vast system that you've built. Um, You know, you're obviously bold and willing to take (laughs) take take some business risks in life. not that I in any way am questioning your intelligence, which is clear, but you, you're you're not a software developer, right? You you, you didn't, um, you know, I don't know, you didn't grow up in the food distribution industry or whatnot. But this is a really <laughs> bold undertaking. What? Um, and and you're having wonderful. I mean, six hundred is you haven't been around that long to have six hundred. I, I think you know you've obviously struck a nerve. Um, what what was it like taking the the leap into you know, something that is going to require everything. I mean, I could see it, software development, um, you know, warehousing space, you know, it, all these different, almost all multiple, multiple industries you're bringing together. Um, just what, what's that experience been like? And, and what was it like taking that leap on something that you couldn't go halfway into with respect to your green pea cookie? The, the risk wasn't that great, right? You make them, you make them, you hope you can get them out there. But you kind of had to build everything. It was all or nothing for you, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, you could say that about many things, all or nothing. But I guess for me and for my co-founder, we we just never considered that we would stop. And that started as soon as we met each other and started making these cookies together. It just didn't seem like that was going to be the option. And when we ran into this problem with our cookie company, and you're totally right. I mean, I studied government and I'm not a software engineer and I don't have a background in the food industry. I was just a consumer that would walk into the grocery store and think that the product magically appeared. And when we started this company and we realized the problems that existed from the perspective of a brand, 
where the world looks very different than from the perspective of a consumer in the grocery store anyway, we realized that it really was going to take somebody who had experienced the problem to solve it. And we felt that it needed to be us. And we also had the fresh eyes that come with not having too much experience. <laughs> and so we, we boldly, like you said, just continued on and continued to be motivated by the learning and the excitement that started us on the path in the first place. So we never really stopped to consider. I mean, I've definitely heard questions like that before, and I never have asked them of myself except for when somebody points it out because it always just seemed like there was no other choice that we wanted to go down. And of course, it's always a choice, but it's fun to learn and pick all of the different parts and really create something new from scratch and start developing the distribution system that we think should exist today instead of just trying to improve the one that is already in place. There you go. A true entrepreneur's mindset. Uh, so how can f folks reach you? Pod Foods, and I'll spell that P-O-D-F-O-O-D-S dot C-O. So podfoods.co. And you're at Instagram at podfoodsco as well. Is there any other way that folks can reach out to you? Uh, yeah, I mean, they can email us. Their website has all of the contact information. I always like to just ask one last question to any entrepreneur that comes on. What do you wish you had told yourself or that you knew a few years ago before you went into this? What's kind of that big lesson that, that you would share with any other entrepreneur out there? That's a big question. <laughs> well, Or it's all gone perfectly exactly according <laughs> to how you planned. <laughs> definitely not that. Definitely has not gone perfectly or according to plan. But I think the main thing is just being okay with that because... Mm -hmm. And sticking to the vision and making sure that you're just continuing on your path. I guess in the very beginning of this company, I would get questions like you just asked previously of basically, you know, you have, you have no experience. What are you doing? <laughs> and sometimes I would take that to heart in a way, not because I was asking that question of myself, but because I didn't think that anybody else was going to take me seriously. And it's not just me. It's also my co-founder, not to throw her under the bus with me, but the two of us. Uh, we look unexpected for what we're doing. And it was even more the case when we were just starting out. And so I would just say to myself, just trust what you're doing and go with it. Your confidence comes through. And, and I think that's, uh, you know, a clear hallmark as well of any successful entrepreneur. Um, and, and again, before we let you go with in the midst of COVID, um, how are you helping to support your brands at, during this time that you know, there's just such a shakeup going on right now in terms of how people are shopping, um, what they're buying and everything. Uh, how are you helping yeah. your brands right now? It's definitely interesting times. I mean, of course, everybody's shopping in grocery stores, even if they're online. Those online retailers are ordering from distributors. And so brands that are small brands, they're facing all of the same challenges that they have in the past. Of course, there are shifts in what people are buying fewer grab-and-go items and prepared right. foods and more staple items. But it is a really crucial time for us to lean in more aggressively or assertively towards our vision of supporting these small businesses and their growth. Because if we don't, the retailers are so stressed out trying to bring products into the store that they're having more and more difficulty ordering directly from these brands. 
And with the big distributors, they're focusing on their most profitable customers, as of course any rational business would. And then what that leaves is a lot of emerging brands, even that are larger, that you might see as mainstream because they're everywhere, but they're still small companies without a viable solution. And so we are continue to we, we continue to press forward with what we set out to do, and we're leaning more in heavily on the transparency and analytics side and developing features so that our brands can not only take advantage of our access to distribution and logistics, but also understand where it makes sense to be targeting new sales and growing their business that way. Yeah, I, I would think those 600 brands or so are, are very fortunate to be with you, uh, you know, as we uh, kind of all ride ride through whatever the heck this is we're in. I don't know. We're either in the, <laughs> we're either in the second inning or the ninth inning. I don't know. All right. All right. So it's podfoods.co. Again, uh, that's the website. And uh, I would think it's a pretty much a no-brainer for any emerging brand to, to be checking you out and uh, and learning a little bit more about how you can help them. So I want to thank you very much for coming on and, and sharing your story. Um, and it's just a perfectly positioned, uh, really, like I said, a, you know, kind of a technology company that's just perfectly positioned, uh, you know, to, to be able to scale. So I suspect that you'll continue growing as you have. And I want to thank you very much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Shelf, presented by Chef's Best. For more podcast episodes from inside the ever-changing food and beverage industry, visit chefsbest.com.